He wrote it in three short weeks, never leaving home and barely having a bite to eat. A housekeeper found him in tears one day. Why was George Friedrich Handel crying? Because he had just completed the score for the Hallelujah Chorus. The Messiah is my favorite collection of music ever written. It's Handel's masterpiece. Some things maybe you didn't know. Messiah was at first thought by some pastors in London to be blasphemous. It was performed in a concert hall, not in a church. It was not first written for Christmas. It was written for Easter, although the theme of Christmas is clear. There's no one definitive version of Messiah. In the first years, Handel kept revising his oratorio to meet the needs of soloists and orchestras. Finally, there is no proof that the king stood when he first heard the Hallelujah Chorus. One thing for sure, Messiah gives glory to God and points us to Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're starting a series this week called Comfort Ye My People. If our title sounds familiar, perhaps you've heard the song in Handel's Messiah by the same name. It harkens back to Isaiah 40, where God called the prophet to speak words of comfort to his people. I think this message is something all of us need to hear today as a pandemic rages worldwide. In just a moment, we'll be joined by Dr. Ruth Smith in London. She's a scholar on Handel. And when I was with her in London, she told me all about Handel's famous oratorio, and how it points people to Jesus. The whole of the Christian creed is in Messiah. Mm -hmm. It is an absolute retelling of Christian belief. Handel's Messiah is a masterpiece with few rivals. Hum a few bars of the Hallelujah Chorus and anyone you meet will recognize it. In a moment, we're going to learn about the mission behind Messiah from Dr. Ruth Smith. Not many people know why it was composed in the first place. Here's a preview. It was to combat the rising secularism and humanism that Handel and his Christian friends saw in the 1700s. Sounds a little like today. What was their solution? Write music that features the raw power of God's Word. That's right. Every word of Handel's Messiah comes straight from the Bible, and every passage points to Jesus. As this song develops, it moves from the prophecy of Job to the proclamation of Paul that Jesus is our risen Redeemer. There's nothing like it. I can't recommend it highly enough for you and your family and your friends this holiday season to come. And I know we're breaking some rules that some people might think. It's not even Thanksgiving yet in the United States. But I want you to have this two-CD set in time so you can enjoy it this coming Christmas season. This particular recording of Handel's Messiah that we have was recorded by the Cambridge Singers under the direction of John Rutter with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. It was recorded so you could clearly understand the words. 
I know both the words and music will bring comfort to you. Why don't you call us after the program? Make your gift to Haven today and ask for a copy of the two-CD set of Handel's Messiah. Our number is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or if you have a little extra time, come and watch the short documentary that we shot in London at Handel's house. And then you can make your gift and ask for your copy of Messiah. Our internet address is haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And don't forget, we still have the first season of The Chosen TV show for your gift. Ask about it when you call or watch the trailer when you visit us online. Now let's begin this Haven Today. For unto us... A child is born from Handel's Messiah. Well, we're in London. We're at the Foundling Museum, just outside, a cool London day. It's not raining, at least, but I'm sure it will be later today. And this is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris, and I'm joined by a scholar, Dr. Ruth Smith, out of uh, Cambridge. Ruth, welcome to our North American Christian (laughs) radio program. Thank you, Charles. Good of you to have me on. (laughs) We've chatted on the phone. You're an expert on Handel, but I would describe you more of an expert on the words coming out of the Messiah and the man who selected the scripture texts for the Messiah. Behind us is where the actual foundling hospital was. Do you want to just tell us what was a foundling hospital? The foundling hospital was a kind of orphanage. It took in abandoned and orphaned children at a time when there was considerable destitution in London. There were Mm -hmm. lots of very Mm -hmm. poor families who couldn't afford to keep their children. And it was sponsored by the great and the good. This was a time of great philanthropy as well as great degradation in London. So the wealthy at the time had a strong sense that they needed to help the poor. Yes. And nevertheless, it took a long time to get this place off the ground. But when it did, it became a great charitable institution and it held charity concerts to raise funds. Oh, that's my next (laughs) question. Give us the link to handle this and the Foundling Hospital. And to Messiah, because this is where Messiah really took off. Handel was in the habit of giving his concerts in theatres 
And when he first performed Messiah in London, he performed it in a theatre, and this raised a lot of eyebrows. What Many was a people sac- in the church. It, it was not well, sacred. Exactly. What was, what was this sacred work to these sacred texts doing, doing being performed in, in a, a theatre? But then the Foundling Hospital asked Handel to do a charity concert, and he performed Messiah here, and it was a complete sellout, queuing mm. round the block. Mm. Uh, he had to do a repeat performance, and then he very generously mounted performances here every year. And Messiah raised, in modern terms, well over a million dollars for the Foundling Hospital. So a few centuries later, the the rock star who was known for use of drugs, Jimi Hendrix, lived next door to the Handel house. Right. In his day, Handel would have been a rock star. He was a great celebrity. Um, A statue was put up to him in one of the great pleasure resorts of London, Vauxhall Gardens. In his lifetime? In his lifetime. Whoa. Yes, exactly. So he was the first composer to have a statue put up to him in his lifetime. Okay. Uh, And the, the column inches about Handel in the newspapers are colossal. I mean, there had never mm-hmm. been anything like it. Mm-hmm. But it was a precarious position. And when he fell out of favour, then he seriously fell out of favour. Okay. And that was one of the reasons that he went to Dublin uh, to give concerts to original, there. To originally perform the Messiah there before exactly. it came to London. Yes, that's okay. right. And, and that was all right in Dublin because they'd just built a brand new concert hall of a kind that there wasn't in London. And that was perfect for doing Messiah. So acoustics? No, no, uh, acoustics were good and there were no sleazy connotations of uh, actress <laughs> who would know better than they should be. Well, I've I've even heard that the famous preacher John Newton preached the texts out of the Messiah, the verses, for 40, 42 sermons or something, but it's not known that he ever actually went and saw Messiah because it was a performance, and he would only go if it were worship. I think, like many Protestants, he may have disapproved of Messiah and Handel's sacred settings generally because the music masked the words in some cases because, you see, you have more than one note to one syllable and this was against strict Protestant teaching where the words should be absolutely clear and Mm. if you know some of the arias in Messiah, like, for he is like a refiner's fire, where you hear the Mm -hmm. flickering flames of the fire Mm -hmm. but the word gets stretched out and I think Newton probably thought that this was disrespectful to the word of God Okay, so Uh, he needed to preach those texts to his church in London and and not... uh, But isn't it interesting that Newton actually chose to preach those texts and for why? Because they are a wonderful summation of the Christian creed. The whole of the Christian creed is in Messiah. Absolutely. From Revelation to Redemption every stage of the creed is there so as well as being everything else wonderfully emotional, very vivid, very dramatic Mm. it is an absolute retelling of Christian belief. It's not a narrative. It's not the story of the life of Christ, right. though the passion of Christ is in there, the nativity is in there. But the important but stage... But a Christian the, could see it as pointing toward the life of Christ. Absolutely. Then. Well, yes. it encapsulates it's, the life of Christ. It's prophetic. But it, doesn't, it doesn't tell a story. It goes backwards and forwards in time. That's true. Uh, but as a devout Christian who knows the Christian creed, one could recognize immediately. And in fact, sure. people at the time did recognize immediately that that's what it was doing. Okay. And that's not surprising because the text was selected by a devout, believing Christian. 1741. Three weeks it took Handel. 
to write this amazing oratorio, giving glory to God. But I understand it was a very low point in his life. It was in Handel's terms. Sometimes it's said that he was bankrupt. This is absolutely not the case. All right. He had an income from the royal family of £600 a year. Now, you have, was, to, you have to multiply that by 180 for modern money. That's so, a lot so, of money. So that's, you know, getting on for £100,000 a year. And okay. even now, you can live pretty comfortably in London on that. <laughs> uh, but his kind of music, the operas he was writing, Italian operas, which he'd been providing to the London elite for the last 20 years, much to their satisfaction, those operas, that style, were becoming less popular. Okay. And he had been unwell, though he'd recovered. I mean, it was also at this time that this statue was put up to him. So, mm. so he's it's, still like, popular. It's, not, it's not that black and white. All right. But he had offended some people by trying, I think, to dominate the London musical scene. Mm-hmm. And after all, he was, quotes, only, quotes, a composer. You know, the aristocracy would have thought, you know, he's a musician, he's a servant to the people, he should do what we want. He oh, shouldn't be trying to grab the limelight so much okay. and swamping the rest of the musical scene. I don't think he was doing it in any terribly thought-out way. He was just very ambitious to write the kind of music he wanted. Mm. But he had fallen out of favour with some people, so yes, it was a good time to accept a very nice invitation to go to Ireland and be generally celebrated. An upbeat, worshipful song called Glory to God from the Messiah. And if you've just joined us, this is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. We're speaking with Dr. Ruth Smith, an historian who is an expert on the life of George Friedrich Handel. When I was with Ruth in London, I asked her who Charles Jennings was and how he helped Handel write the Messiah. Who was Charles Jennings? Well, one could say that without Charles Jennings, there would have been no Messiah. Mm -hmm. It was his idea. He selected the texts from the Bible and the prayer book, and he made them into an oratorio text, and he gave it to Handel. Mm -hmm. They'd they'd already worked together. so they they, they they did know each other. They knew each other. They'd known each other for getting on for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And they had collaborated. They'd produced a wonderful oratorio together on the subject of King Saul and David and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Jennings produces this text. Does Handel say, wonderful, it will make both our names, this is inspirational? No. He said, well, maybe, but I don't think so, not at the moment. And he put it on the shelf for 18 months. So the dust collected. The dust collected. But then the invitation from Ireland comes and he brushes it off, knowing that he will have the ideal venue in which to perform it, I think. So... Well, Jennings actually said in one of his letters to a friend that he was making use of Handel, which is an extraordinary thing for a librettist to say about a composer. Mm-hmm. Usually the composer says to a librettist, I want some words about such and such, write me something. Right, yes. Uh, I think it's fairly obvious to see with Messiah that Jennings, a devout Christian, was using Handel's music to spread the gospel. Jennings was himself a subscriber to the Society for the Propagation of the Gospel. And and I suppose you could call, in today's terms, a a committed evangelical Protestant Christian. Absolutely. Evangelical. High church, but evangelical. But still evangelical. Very. For why? Partly because Jennings, like many other Christians of his time in Britain, saw the Christian faith as being beleaguered, embattled from many different sides. 
Britain was a Protestant country. Protestantism yes, was a state yes, religion. Yes. It was protected by the crown. It was the religion of the vast majority. And mm -hmm. most people mm -hmm. still attended church every week. Most people believed that after death there would be eternal life. So death was feared, but there was the hope of heaven. Right. But both the church and faith as such were on the defensive as never before. First of all, new scholarship, serious scholarship, was mm -hmm. calling into question the integrity of the Bible as a text. Even, the, even in the 1740s? Oh, absolutely, yes. Okay. yes. Um, so. This, this uh, scholarship came from France at the beginning of the century and had a, a serious impact. Now, this is a wonderful thing about what Jennings did. Jennings wasn't the only person to perceive Christianity as being threatened. Defences of Christianity were pouring off the press. All right theologians, spiritually inclined people were publishing defences of the Christian creed like never before. In fact, Christianity was the main publishing topic at this oh, time. Okay. But only Jennings had the genius to see... Put that it to music. Put it to Handel's music. And Handel's music, Gen yes. Jennings was a, an absolute addict of Handel's music. He really, really appreciated mm. it. Mm. And he wasn't the only one at the time who recognised that Handel's music had particular emotional power. Handel had poems mm. written to him about how his music touched the human heart okay. and both brought out in us and thoroughly represented the human emotions, the human passions. Mm. And, of course, mm. one reason why Messiah is performed and loved in... In churches. India, Japan, oh, Australia. All, all America, over, you know, yes. All over the place, where many of the people who sing it and love it aren't Christian. It's because of this tremendous emotional gamut. Yes. Uh, hope, yes. joy, fear, aspiration, exaltation, remorse, pity. You know, Handel does do exactly what Jennings wanted. And some of these texts are really difficult. I mean, they're difficult for us now because this is the language of the Bible that was used in Jennings' time. This the is the, the King James Bible, Bible the Austrian yes. version. And some of its language, I think even then, must have been quite opaque and difficult because these very abstract concepts the chastisement of our pieces upon him. I mean, with his stripes, Even we are healed. Even people then would, but, have, well, it would have been well, hard to understand. But because he's using the language of the Old Testament, which is full of concrete images, yes. Jennings is giving Handel something concrete to latch onto, an image which he can imitate in his music. Mm, and mm. that, it's a bit like a preacher using a very homely image. Well, it's a bit like Christ preaching yes. and using very yes. homely images. Yes. And that lets us in to quite difficult ideas. And with Handel's music, it lets us in at two levels, the, the concrete image and then Handel's illustration of it, like mm, the refiner's mm. fire. just joined us. I'm Charles Morris, and we're outside the Foundling Museum in London, and we're just sitting at a table next to a little park with Dr. Ruth Smith, and she's an expert on uh, Handel, Messiah, Charles Jennings, and, uh, and Ruth 
thank you for uh, braving uh, braving the London weather today to just join us outdoors. Oh, well, all these thoughts about Messiah are keeping us warm. It, it is. It really is. Let me ask you, I, my wife puts Messiah on every December. It's playing in our home. Our children grew up with this. We get in the car and she's already put a copy of Messiah in. Most Americans, most Canadians that listen to our program would have heard pieces from Messiah, particularly Hallelujah Chorus. But for someone who's never really gotten into Messiah, how do they start? How would you suggest? Well, every, every part of Messiah is so wonderful. I have almost so trumped wonderful. you with a question yes, yes, here, yes, so yes, that's yes, all right. Yes. That's all right. Take well, your time, because I, I know you have an answer I'm, for I'm, this. I'm sure that anything that you play on this program will be very well chosen to draw people into Messiah. It depends what you like. Um, myself, I think something that's not very familiar and comes towards the end is really, to me, sort of sums up Messiah, that bit since by man came death, so also came the resurrection and the life. Mm-hmm. As in Adam, all die, so in Christ shall be made alive. One thing that Jennings really appreciated was Handel's basic compositional method, which was blocks of contrast. So, for example, at the end of part two, we have the tremendous power and splendor and glory of the Hallelujah Chorus. Mm-hmm. Trumpets, drums, mm-hmm. full chorus, mm-hmm. the majesty of Christ. And then we scale right down to one solo voice saying, I know down. that my Redeemer liveth, liveth, from the universal to the personal. What a brilliant transition. Mm-hmm. And that's encapsulated in the bit I've just mentioned, Since by Man Came Death, because Since by Man Came Death is very hushed, unaccompanied chorus, mm-hmm. almost on a monotone, and then the absolute bursting of joy on So All in Christ Shall Be Made Alive, and it's those contrasts which Jennings so well understood, and Handel was a master delivering. Mm. song from the Messiah, Since by Man Came Death, here on A Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris, and a pre-holiday program called Comfort Ye, My People. 
A special thanks to Dr. Ruth Smith, an historian on Handel, speaking to us a few years back from London, near the house where Handel wrote this great oratorio. After hearing Dr. Smith and some samples from Handel's Messiah, I think you would agree with me that there is no rival to Handel's Messiah. But as we just learned, it was a masterpiece with a mission. Handel and a close friend named Charles Jennings were deeply concerned about the decline of their culture in the 1700s. Sound like today? And their solution? The power of the Word of God set to music. That's right. Every word from Handel's Messiah comes straight out of the Bible. And every passage points to Jesus. There's nothing like it. And I can't recommend it highly enough to you. Maybe for your family. Maybe for your friends this coming holiday season. This special version of Handel's Messiah that we have made so that you can clearly understand the words. I want to invite you to let this masterpiece fill your heart this coming Christmas with the light and glory of God's Messiah. For your gift of any amount, please be as generous as you can since we're listener-supported. I want to send you a copy of this two-CD set of Handel's Messiah. It's our thanks for your supporting Haven today. Call us right now, won't you? Our number is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or come to our website. Watch the mini-documentary we shot at Handel's House in London, where I give a personal tour through his home where he wrote this great oratorio. And after you watch, you can make your gift and ask for your copy of Handel's Messiah. Our internet address is haventoday.org haventoday.org One last thing before we go. Because you keep asking for it, we still have the double DVD of the TV show The Chosen, a unique series looking at the life of Jesus through the eyes of those around him, showing how he transformed the lives of everyday people like you and me. Ask about it when you call or watch the preview when you go online. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again next time? But again, we'll share together the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God, this is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Glory is one of those words we use often but rarely define. We say things like, no guts, no glory, and we sort of know what that means, but when God's Word talks about glory, the meaning goes much deeper. Moses once asked God to show him his glory, and in the Psalms, glory is usually portrayed as light. The Apostle Paul described glory as having a weightiness to it, but only in one place do all these aspects of glory come together in one person. 2 Corinthians 4.6 for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You can start receiving Anchor Devotional in print. Visit getanchor.com.